Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, May 20th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks set for another weekly decline after losing a trillion dollars in value since Monday. Geopolitics in focus as Joe Biden makes his first presidential trip to Asia. The Senate passes a $40 billion aid package for Ukraine. And the world's second biggest baby formula maker reportedly increases shipments to the U.S. A possible monkeypox case has been identified in New York City, plus the January 6th panel wants to question the GOP lawmaker about the Capitol Tour. I'm Mike LeVar. More ahead. I'm John Stashar in sports. The Yankees lost. The Mets won but learned of a serious injury and Rory McIlroy has the lead at the PGA Championship. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. And I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by BNY Mellon's Pershing Insight Conference. Back in person June 15th through the 17th at the Gaylord Resort in Grapevine, Texas. Don't miss it. Register now at insight.bnymelon.com. And U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. 601 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 41 points. Dow futures up 265 and NASDAQ futures up 172. Ten-year treasury down 630 seconds. Yield 2.86% and the yield on the two-year, 2.62%. John. And, Karen, let's uh, get more on the markets this morning. And, uh... Right now, again, as you say, the Dow futures are up 268 points. All right, John, yeah, as you said, uh, futures are higher, and we're closing out what appears to be another losing week for stocks. In fact, the S&P 500 is on track for a seventh straight weekly decline, and be its longest decline in 21 years. And traders are bracing for another volatile day ahead. The monthly expiration of options tied to equities and exchange-traded funds takes place today. Kathy Whistle is a managing director at Morgan Stanley. Things are volatile. They are uncertain. Um, it's giving everybody a little bit of um, uneasiness and a lot of people asking what to do in these markets. And Morgan Stanley's Kathy and Whistle made the comments on Bloomberg Business Week. Heard weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. The S&P 500 has lost more than a trillion dollars in market value over the past four sessions. And one stock not helping market sentiment this morning, Karen. Applied materials down 1% in early trading after the chipmaker delivered a weak forecast. We get that story in this report from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
Applied is the biggest maker of machinery that's used to manufacture semiconductors. It said sales will be about $6.25 billion in the fiscal third quarter, which runs through July. Analysts had estimated $6.69 billion on average, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. The chip industry is ordering machinery from Applied and its peers at a frantic rate, trying to build enough production capacity to end industry-wide shortages that are hurting growth across the economy. But those same shortages are leaving applied without the components it needs to make its equipment. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. The semiconductor industry will be in focus when Joe Biden makes his first presidential trip to Asia. The president's time in South Korea and Japan will focus on security and supply chains. And Bloomberg's Amy Morris has details from our 991 newsroom in Washington. The president is set to visit a Samsung semiconductor complex as he seeks to shore up supply chains that reduce reliance on China, an indication of the emphasis he's placing on strengthening semiconductor alliances among the world's largest chip makers to ease those shortages that have dragged on the global economy. He'll also meet with regional leaders to garner more support for Ukraine to fend off Russia's invasion and counter security threats from China and North Korea. The visit runs through Tuesday. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Amy. And meantime, on Capitol Hill, the U.S. Senate has passed an aid package for Ukraine worth more than $40 billion. It now awaits President Biden's signature. At the same time, the administration says it is providing Ukraine with another $100 million in military assistance. Well, John, the baby formula shortage is also in focus this morning. According to Reuters, the world's second biggest baby formula maker is increasing shipments from Europe to the U.S. The move by Danone comes after Abbott Laboratories had to recall some products. Virginia Senator Tim Kaine is a member of the Senate Foreign Relations and Armed Services Committees. We're now uh, going to use the Defense Production Act to increase production. We're allowing importation of formula that's safe from other countries. The uh, company that closed its plant down has reached an agreement to do some fixes. They should be reopened within two weeks and starting to produce again. So we will solve this problem. I think you'll see that be bipartisan, but we'll have to have that vote next week and see. And Virginia Senator Tim Kaine spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. And the pandemic also in focus this morning with news on vaccine eligibility. Younger children across the U.S. can now receive a COVID booster shot developed by Pfizer. Let's get details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita, good morning. Good morning, John. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky recommends the booster for children ages 5 to 11 years old. Making the shot available to school-age kids will provide much-needed protection against the contagious Omicron subvariants spreading across the country. Walensky says kids in this age group should receive a booster dose at least five months after their primary series. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, Renita, thank you. Well, there's also a sign today that the travel industry is bouncing back from the pandemic. Leisure travel is now back to pre-COVID levels. Let me get the story from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. The trend could help the travel industry this summer. The MasterCard Economics Institute says for the first time since global movement was halted by the pandemic, leisure travel has returned to 2019 levels, and higher airfares don't appear to be a deterrent. The average global airfare is up 18% since the start of the year. MasterCard says if flight bookings continue at their current pace, an estimated 1.5 billion more passengers globally will fly this year compared to last, with Europe seeing the biggest increase. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg. 
Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Doug. And we're seeing the carnage in retail stocks continue this morning. Shares of Ross stores are down more than 28% in early trading. The discount retailer cutting its outlook for profit and sales. Ross's outlook downgrade follows similar moves this week by Kohl's, Target, and Walmart. Head of the cash open on Wall Street, S&P futures up 43, the Dow futures up 280 points. This is Bloomberg. It's now 607 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. Health officials say a possible case of monkeypox is being investigated in New York City. It would add to the case already reported in Massachusetts. The city's health department announced on Twitter that the patient is being cared for at Bellevue Hospital in Manhattan. Officials say preliminary tests for the virus are being conducted and, if positive, will be sent to the CDC for confirmation. Experts say it's a rare illness. University of California, San Francisco professor of medicine, Dr. Peter Chin Hong, is an infectious disease expert. I don't think it's really going to run rampant in a, uh, as opposed to smallpox, which is highly, highly transmissible. Dr. Chin Hong says if you've been vaccinated for, vaccinated for smallpox, you'll be protected against monkeypox because it's really closely related. Relatives of the 10 black people gunned down in a Buffalo supermarket are pleading with the nation to confront and stop racist violence. Agony poured out in the tears of a 12-year-old child, Jake Patterson, who lost his father. His mother spoke. His heart is broken. He has sleeps. He has eats, and as a mother, what am I supposed to do? Earlier yesterday, the accused gunman, who is white, 18-year-old Peyton Gendron, silently faced a murder indictment in court. The White House calls Oklahoma's new abortion bill the most extreme effort to undo the fundamental rights laid out in Roe v. Wade. Oklahoma's legislature gave final approval to the bill, which would ban almost all abortions from the moment of conception. Vice President Kamala Harris hosted a virtual meeting with abortion providers at the White House. It's just the latest in a series of extreme laws around the country. Oklahoma's governor has vowed to sign it into law. The House panel investigating the January 6th riot wants to question a Republican lawmaker who is said to have led a group tour of the Capitol a day before the attack. Georgia GOP Representative Barry Loudermilk is being asked to answer questions before the Congressional Committee. Panel Chairman Benny Thompson said the committee's review of evidence contradicts denials from some Republicans that there were no tours or large groups brought to the Capitol. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez confirms she's engaged to her longtime partner, Riley Roberts. No word yet on a wedding date. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. All right, Michael, thank you very much. He's now 610 of Wall Street, and that's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashower. All right, John, thrilling win for the Mets. They've had a lot of those already this season. The Cardinals got two home runs from Cole Goldsmith. They led in the ninth inning. The Mets tied it. St. Louis went back ahead, top of the 10th. Heroics in the bottom. There goes Freddie. A belt tie set his pitch. Alonzo hammers one. Left field. Way back. It's long gone. The Mets win in the bottom of the 10th. 
Pete Alonso drives one out against Gallegos, and the Mets finish off a series victory in 10 innings. WCBS to come. Mets won 7-6. Alonso now leads all of baseball with 36 RBIs. However, during the game came the news on Max Scherzer. He has an oblique strain. He's going to miss six to eight weeks. So the Mets were hoping to have this great one-two punch of Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. Both are hurt, and so is another starter, Tyler McGill. Just as the Mets had their walk-off win, the Yankees suffered a walk-off loss in Baltimore. The Orioles' Anthony Santander, three-run homer, bottom of the ninth off Lucas Litke for a 9-6 Orioles win. The Yanks had tied the game with two out in the top of the ninth. NBA playoffs, Celtics up 25 at halftime. They won game two in Miami by 25 to tie the series. Stanley Cup playoff wins for St. Louis and Tampa Bay, both on the road. Rangers looking for a road win tonight. It's game two in Raleigh after the Hurricanes took the opener in overtime. Amazing to think, Rory McIlroy hasn't won a major since the 2014 PGA. McIlroy leads this year's PGA by one shot. Going to today's second round in Tulsa. Live coverage of Bloomberg Radio today starting at 4 with the PGA Tonight Show at 11. John Stash Howard, Bloomberg Sports. John. All right, John, thanks very much. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, S&P futures up 44, the Dow futures up 288, the Nasdaq futures 181 points higher. You're listening to Bloomberg. And we close out a trading week that saw the S&P 500 lose more than a trillion dollars in market value. Just ahead, we'll pick the brain of Brian Levitt, global market strategist at Invesco. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are pushing higher this morning along with European shares after China's latest measure to firm up its economy injected a note of optimism at the end of another volatile week for global markets. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about 42 points. Dow futures up 267 and NASDAQ futures up 173. The DAX in Germany is up 1.7 percent. The 10-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds. Yield 2.86 percent. They yield on the two-year 2.62 NYMEX crude oil is down about two-tenths percent or 19 cents at $112.02 a barrel. COMEX gold is up two-tenths percent or $3.60 at $18.51.40 an ounce. The euro, 1.0589 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2475. And the yen at 128.11. And Bitcoin this morning up two-tenths percent at $30,290. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden is in South Korea. He will meet South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol as they face a growing threat from North Korea's nuclear weapons and missile program. Both U.S. and South Korean intelligence officials say it's possible that North Korea will conduct a ballistic or nuclear test around Biden's visit to South Korea and Japan. The Senate has passed a $40 billion package of military, economic, and food aid for Ukraine. The vote was 86-11. In the NBA playoffs, the Celtics have even their series at a game apiece after beating the Heat 127-102. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Orioles 9-6. The Mets won along with the Red Sox. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Jump.
Michael, thank you. Coming up on 620 on Wall Street, we are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. A global share is on course for an historic seventh week of declines. Let's try to get you set up for the trading day ahead now. We're joined by Brian Levitt, global market strategist at Invesco. Brian, happy Friday. Uh, what is ahead for investors? Well, it looks like, I mean, at least the futures are up this morning, but it's certainly a challenging market environment, which tends to be the case when you're persisting through a period of policy uncertainty. And even though the market has gone a long way to pricing in multiple Fed interest rate hikes, we still have inflation very elevated. Um, And so volatility is likely to be uh, persistent here until we have greater clarity on the inflation picture and greater greater clarity on where the Fed is going to ultimately head. The VIX remains elevated, 28.60 right now. Wall Street's fear gauge, how much more volatility ahead? Usually usually you see the VIX at around 40 when you get to a, a market bottom. We've even seen the VIX at 40 a couple of times in the last cycle when we didn't end up in a recession, whether that was 2015 uh, with the Fed first rate hike, 2011 during the European debt crisis. So volatility is elevated. I don't think we've seen the full level of it yet or the full capitulation. We're, We're certainly getting closer. If you look at the number of stocks on the New York Stock Exchange trading above their 200 day moving average, we were at 50%. In March, we're now down below 20%. Usually market bottoms are around 10 to 15%. So we've seen a big move. We've seen a big washout. But nonetheless, inflation is still elevated. Policy is still uncertain. So you know, there's no real catalyst here, at least in the short term, for markets. And would you think it's fool's errand to be buying on dips right now? Well, I think if you're a long-term investor, you're starting to see some good value emerge in the market. So if you're trying to get the next days or the next weeks right, um, buying the dips could be a challenge. But if you're a long-term investor, I think it certainly makes sense to consider starting to do so. I mean, we've looked at past downturns. Even if you invest halfway through it, you're still far better off um, over the long term than having not done so. So, you know, the message is near-term challenges will ultimately see the economy slow and some of these supply-demand imbalances start to work their way out. Directionally, inflation should start to come down, which will set up a better environment for stocks. So we may not be all the way through it, but again, if you have your eye on the long term, there's good value that's starting to emerge. And on the earnings front, of course, with uh, Walmart, Target, the other retailers, I guess the lesson, the the takeaway there is margin compression. How much more of that are we going to see? What are the lessons we get from that? Yeah, margin compression. But let's remember margins were at very, very elevated levels. And so I, I think the way to think of this is it's a slowdown in demand where costs are still quite elevated. And so that creates a a difficult backdrop in the in the short term. But this slowdown is likely to bring um, as as demand slows, you're likely to start to see inflationary pressures moderate. Now, of course, we need better clarity on China with zero COVID policy. Cases in Shanghai do seem to be coming down. Policymakers in China are trying to support growth. So, you know, if we can start to see some movement there, 
as demand slows, we should start to see inventories get rebuilt, um, and, and, and some of that pricing pressure should start to come down. But, but you know, margins coming down, again, from, from very, very elevated levels. You want to gauge the, the risk of uh, hard versus soft landing? Well, look, I, it's it's going to be a, a challenge. I mean, it's hard for the Fed to navigate this. Um, and so, you know, growth is going to slow meaningfully. Now, the, all the debate of whether or not we're going to have a recession, look, the markets are already pricing in um, a, pretty, a, a, a meaningful deterioration in growth. Um, and the reality is the fundamentals of this economy are pretty sound. The, the households have been in good shape. Um, the banking system strong. The business sector is, has been, has been um, is well capitalized. And so even if you were to have a recession, it would likely be a pretty mild one. Brian, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Brian Levitt, global market strategist at Invesco, with us this morning. And ahead of the open on Wall Street, futures in the green this morning. The Dow futures of 299 points. The S&P Immunity futures of 46 right now. And the Nasdaq futures are up 189 points. As for Treasuries, the benchmark 10-year yield up two basis points right now at 2.86%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. The Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Dense fog advisory in effect through 9 o'clock this morning. The fog will burn off, giving way to low clouds, then partial sun. The possibility of showers. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. At 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. IBKR Investment Advisors switch to Interactive Brokers for lowest-cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, U.S. futures higher as we close out a trading week that saw the S&P 500 lose more than a trillion dollars in market value. The index is down almost 19% from its January 3rd closing high and is on track for a seventh week of losses. Ken Griffin is CEO of Citadel. What we're seeing in the markets is a rotation from growth stocks with earnings very far in the future towards stocks that are are much more value stocks, earnings here in the present. And this reflects the fact that real rates for the first time in a very long time are likely to go positive in 2023. And Citadel CEO Ken Griffin made the comments to Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua at the Bloomberg Intelligence Market Structure 3.0 conference in New York. Results from Applied Materials weighing on some sentiment this morning. Shares down almost 1% in early trading. The company delivering a weak forecast as chip shortages persist. Turning to politics now, President Joe Biden heads to South Korea and Japan to reassure allies of America's commitment to Asia. On Bloomberg's Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has the details. 
The last time a U.S. president visited Seoul in 2019, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un agreed to restart nuclear talks. This time, the White House has not indicated Biden will be heading up to the DMZ. In the meantime, the North Korean leader is preparing to launch another ICBM and possibly conduct his first nuclear test since 2017. President Biden is aiming to firm up the U.S. pivot to Asia and counter China's military buildup in the region. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ryan. The pandemic also in focus this morning with news on vaccine eligibility. Younger children across the U.S. can now receive a COVID booster shot developed by Pfizer. Now let's get details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, John. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky recommends the booster for children ages 5 to 11 years old. Making the shot available to school-age kids will provide much-needed protection against the contagious Omicron subvariant spreading across the country. Walensky says kids in this age group should receive a booster dose at least five months after their primary series. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 5.30, uh, 6.33 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr now to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. A possible case of monkeypox is being investigated in New York City, adding to the case already reported in Massachusetts. Health officials said preliminary tests for the virus are being conducted and, if positive, will be sent to the CDC for confirmation. The patient is being treated at Bellevue Hospital in Manhattan. Experts say it's a rare illness. University of California, San Francisco professor of medicine, Dr. Peter Chin Hong, is an infectious disease expert. There is an adapted vaccine for monkeypox, but the interesting thing is that if you've been vaccinated with smallpox, you get protection against monkeypox because it's really closely related. Dr. Chin Hong says he doesn't believe monkeypox will run rampant. A House Republican is pushing back on the January 6th committee that claims he gave unauthorized capital tours the day before the attack. The committee says it has evidence that Georgia Republican Congressman Barry Loudermilk gave a tour of the Capitol. The committee wants Loudermilk to testify. Tops Markets vowed they would reopen their Buffalo supermarket, which was the scene of Saturday's deadly mass shooting. Meanwhile, the 18-year-old suspected gunman appeared in court yesterday. The Oklahoma State Legislature passed a bill which would ban almost all abortions from the moment of conception. The bill includes narrow exceptions to protect the life of the mother and for cases of rape and incest, but only if they are reported to law enforcement. State Representative Wendy Stearman is the bill's author. Well, the goal of this is to protect the child, the the unborn child. So I, I believe that putting in the exception as we have it is... Um, is acceptable in this situation. Representative Stearman says Oklahoma's governor is expected to sign the bill into law. Emily Wales, president of the Great Plains Oklahoma chapter of Planned Parenthood, called it a dark day for human rights. Today's ban, which encourages bounty hunters to sue their neighbors or strangers for accessing abortion care at any stage of pregnancy, is a reversal of history happening in front of our eyes. Wales with Planned Parenthood agrees with Vice President Harris, who called the bill outrageous. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has told colleagues in the Senate he plans to bring an antitrust bill to the floor in early summer that would crack down on the major tech platforms. The bill is said to prevent platforms from favoring its own content. 
Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It's coming up on 5.36 on Wall Street. And it's time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashier. Thanks, John. Bittersweet day for the Mets. A thrilling win at City Field. 7-6 over the Cardinals on a walk-off two-run homer. Tenth inning by Pete Alonzo. But during the game came the update on Max Scherzer, who took himself out of Wednesday's game. And the MRI showed an oblique strain. Scherzer off to a 5-1 and one start as a Met. He's going to miss the next six to eight weeks. And Jacob DeGrom has yet to pitch. No timetable on his return. Tyler McGill is another Mets starter currently on the injured list. Yankees ended the road trip with a 9-6 loss in Baltimore. A back-and-forth game that the Yanks tied with two outs in the ninth inning. But Anthony Santander, a walk-off three-run homer, bottom of the ninth. NBA East Finals are tied at one. The Celtics won by 25 in Miami. NHL Tampa Bay won again at Florida, now up 2-0. First playoff loss for Colorado, beaten by St. Louis. The Rangers tonight need to like play like they did in the first two periods of Game 1 and not like they did in the third period of the overtime. It's Game 2 in Raleigh after Carolina won the opener. They'll play Round 2 of the PGA Championship today in Tulsa. Rory McIlroy has won this tournament twice. He won it in 2014, hasn't won a major since. McElroy's got a one-shot lead after a 65. He played with Tiger Woods, who shot 74. Bogeyed six of the last ten holes, struggling physically. Loading hurts, and pressing off it hurts, and uh, walking hurts, uh, the twisting hurts. So, this is golf. <laughs> if I don't play that, if I don't do that, then I'm all right. Tiger very much in danger of missing the cut. Live PGA coverage. Bloomberg Radio today started at 4 and the PGA Tonight Show at 11. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports Time. All right, thanks a lot, John. It is now 6.37 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks, some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. And for that, we are joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. And I guess we weave into this the presidential trip overseas. We do. I mean, I think this is being viewed as a lens of geopolitics, as trade negotiations. But there is a very clear market read-through, and you're already seeing it this morning. Uh, President Biden, for those of you not familiar, visiting a, a good uh, several countries in Asia, starting off with Korea. He's actually visiting uh, the Samsung site this morning. And overnight, actually, you did see uh, the Kospi Index, which is the Korean benchmark, up higher. And remember, Samsung, I think, makes a good chunk of that. It is a heavyweight in the Cosby index. So when you see... That factory over there is gigantic. It's enormous. And remember, Samsung is one of the biggest suppliers of chips uh, worldwide. So to kind of strengthen the alliances, strengthen the supply chains is good, not just for the United States, but for a lot of the chip companies broadly amid the chip shortage that you're seeing. So right off the bat, you are seeing the likes of advanced micro devices, AMD, up to the tune of 2.4%. NVIDIA as well, NVDA, up just shy of 3%. Intel even, INTC, up 1%. The purpose purpose of this trip is twofold. One of it is going to be to secure the supply chains. The other is to secure the Indo-Pacific alliance against China. Um, this is really important because as China grows in economic kind of prowess in the region, it's really important for the United States to kind of shore up those supply chains. And that's especially crucial when it comes to tech companies automakers and really that uh, comes down to chips and that's why this trip to Korea and specifically Samsung is so crucial. 
All right, let's uh, move out to uh, Santa Clara, California, where we find the home of Palo Alto Networks. Palo Alto Networks, and no, it is not a surf company, although it does sound like that, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it is a cybersecurity company. They do a lot with software. P-A-N-W is the company's uh, ticker, up 11% this morning. They beat earnings uh, and really cited strong billings here. This is important as we talk about the theme of cybersecurity uh, growing uh, more and more. A lot of people have just recently, and I should say companies, have recently converted converted over to cloud infrastructure. So this is a company that takes that cloud infrastructure and adds an extra layer of cybersecurity in it. We also know, speaking of uh, President Biden's agenda, it has been strong uh, on that front as well. The other name I want to bring to your attention very quickly is Ross Stores. A retailer. So let me guess. It's ugly this morning. It is ugly. ROST is your ticker. Down 25% uh, for international audience. This is a discount retailer that cut its profit and sales outlook. To me, the most important part of this, yes, they cited inflation, the war in Ukraine, et cetera, but the most important part to me is comp sales falling 2 to 4%. Their previous guidance was as much as 3% growth. They all had a pretty good run they during did. the pandemic. So Still a big move. Don't cry too much. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Kriti Gupta, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent. And ahead of the open, Dow Futures right now up 285. S&P Futures of 43. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg weather for today. A dense fog that should start to burn off. Clouds giving way to partial sun. There is the chance of late day showers or thunderstorms. The high today about 75 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are rising this morning, and we're watching earnings from Deer across the Bloomberg. We to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the green after yesterday's weakness. With Dow futures up 290 points. S&P's gained 44. NASDAQ futures rise by 178. The U.S. 10-year yield at 2.86%. Gold is up 3. Oil is little changed. And Bitcoin is also quiet right now. Hong Kong rose 3% overnight, while European markets are also in the green, led by gains in Germany and Italy. Back in the U.S., nothing to report on the economic front. And after the bell last night, Applied Materials Q3 forecast missed estimates. And Palo Alto Networks topped estimates. Shares are up 11% pre-market. Regarding earnings this morning, you mentioned Deer. Deer sales missed estimates. And Foot Locker EPS beat estimates. Wrapping things up, Comerica was raised to outperform over at Robert Baird. Live from the First or Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Biden arrived in South Korea where he visited an electronic semiconductor complex. Biden is seeking to bolster supply chains that reduce reliance on China. Biden's first trip to Asia as president which runs through Tuesday, also includes Japan.
U.S. health advisors are urging a booster dose of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11. A CDC panel signed off on the booster shots yesterday. In the NBA playoffs, the Celtics have even their series at a game apiece after beating the Heat 127-102. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Orioles 9-6. The Mets won along with the Red Sox. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. And it is currently 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Vacation travel is back to pre-COVID levels. According to a report released by the MasterCard Economics Institute, people are feeling more comfortable heading off to far-flung adventures despite a surge in cases and average airfares jumping 18% globally since the start of the year. Boeing and NASA have launched the long-delayed Starliner space capsule. The unmanned spacecraft is headed for a rendezvous with the International Space Station. It was Boeing's third launch attempt since 2019. The two failed attempts left Boeing perplexed, and it left SpaceX as the only American option for ferrying astronauts into space. Bloomberg News has learned Apple executives have previewed their next big bet to the company's board, a mixed-reality headset. It indicates that development of the device has reached an advanced stage. Board members, including eight independent directors and CEO Tim Cook convene at least four times a year. We're told a version of the device was demonstrated during the latest gathering. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. John. All right, Karen, we are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it is now 6.50 on Wall Street. Time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in the nation's capital include, of course, President Biden in Asia for the first time as Commander-in-Chief. The fallout from this week's primary contest setting the stage for the battle in November. The Senate passing a $40 billion bill for aid to Ukraine. And let's take a deeper dive into some of these stories this morning with Wendy Schiller, director of Brown University's Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy. Wendy, thanks for being with us this morning. Happy Friday. Uh, in fact, President Biden speaking right now. Uh, he's in South Korea at a giant chip factory. And i got to ask you, just from the political perspective, how does this play at home, and does it really matter? Well, John, I mean, I think I think having the president travel and represent the United States globally uh, usually is a plus for the United States, but also for Biden, because, of course, with COVID and um, lots of other reasons on restricting his travel and interaction with, you know, Americans, you know, not getting out for co- for Biden is a real disadvantage uh, because, you know, he sometimes he's on his game when he gives a speech or a press conference. Sometimes he's not so coherent. So having him look good traveling abroad, you know, counters some of those images that we have of the president or sort of allegations that he's not up to the job. You know, I, I earlier had just a personal anecdote was talking about shopping. The gas tank was, I think it was like 65 bucks this morning. The grocery store was 180 bucks. I didn't get all that much yesterday. There are big concerns on the domestic front. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, an economy like this where we have relatively low unemployment uh, typically is good for Democrats. You know, uh, Democrats typically, their constituencies worry more about jobs and unemployment, and Republicans used to be sort of the wealthier, and they worried much more about inflation in terms of the you know degradation of their assets and investments. But now, you know, these things are all demographically mixed now in terms of allegiances. The Republicans are getting more lower-income voters, and the Democrats are getting more higher-income voters. So it's flipping the script that we've been used to for politics and a lot more people who typically vote for the Democrats or would be voting for the Democrats in, in November are very concerned about managing the economy, which is a global in nature. Uh, nothing, you know, showed us more than that, than, than the COVID pandemic. And, you know, we're not used to that idea. We're used to that the president can control the economy, but there are a lot of things outside his control. So again, Americans have to kind of reset how they evaluate the president and the economy. And that's going to come too late, I think, for the Democrats and Biden this November. Still looking at the fallout from the primary contest setting the stage for uh, November's general uh, election, the congressional elections. Your assessment uh, a few days out. Well, uh, the primaries were really interesting. You know, Pennsylvania uh, is incredibly important, obviously, not just for the primaries, but for uh, the presidential election in 24. So the Senate race is important, but the governor's race is very important. You know, the Democrats have held the governor's seat in Pennsylvania. And if that flips, uh, particularly with the candidate that, that won the primary, who, who seems to be fairly, you know, extreme right, uh, very loyal to Trump, but also wants to sort of unregister lots of voters and redo elections and is willing to change uh, uh, the outcome of the election, supposedly, you know, that makes a huge difference going into 24 and also for our, our security and elections. So it matters, I think, for the system, for the country, as much in the governor's uh, outcome as it does for whatever ultimately happens in the Senate primary. What's interesting is that a lot of people in the Republican primary voted. A lot of Republicans got out the door, slightly more than the Democrats. That's got to worry the Democrats, even though the contests were a little bit more more uh, publicized. Um, and then you have to think to yourself, you know, is there really a split in the Republican Party? Because that's what we always think. But Republicans Republicans come together and unite when it comes down to their election, the general election, in ways the Democrats don't. So I'm not reading into this division as if it's some signal that the Republicans will stay divided by the time you get to November. Uh, the, you, you were talking about Doug Mastriano, the uh, the Republican pick for uh, governor's race in uh, Pennsylvania. Does that mean the race now becomes uh, a toss-up? Um, yeah, I mean, for the governor's race, it, it, it's, you know, uh, you got Josh Shapiro, who's, uh, who won the primary and who's, you know, already won statewide attorney general of Pennsylvania. So, you know, you've got somebody who theoretically should win this race because he's already won statewide. Um, and the Senate race is going to be really interesting. Fetterman looks like he was somebody who could resonate, a really good candidate for the Midwest, but he's had some health problems, very significant health problems. And we don't know how he'll do. We don't know what, how people will react to that. Uh, and, and, so he has still a chance to keep that seat. But if you think about it, looking at Ohio and looking at Pennsylvania, you know, there's a real uh, vibrancy to that Republican turnout. Uh, and there's real enthusiasm on the Republican side. And you're just you have to wonder, will there be the people who show up for the Democrats? North Carolina could be an exception. You have an African-American woman running for Senate uh, who's also well known. And uh, I think that in that case, Sherry Beasley could, with African-American turnout, uh, do pretty well in that context. 
contest against um, the, the candidate that Trump uh, endorsed. And you might see some spillover into Georgia because you, mo- you might have an African-American incumbent versus an African-American Republican candidate. So the African-American vote will be absolutely crucial. And right now you're wondering, if you're watching politics, what will get African-American voters to the polls in November? And can the Democrats really mobilize that constituency? Uh, there were no claims of election fraud. Well, maybe save for one with a former president saying Mehmet Oz should just go ahead and declare victory. Um, about 45 seconds left. How's that going to play out? Well, you know, the question is, given inflation, given COVID, uh, given, obviously, uh, you know, shortages on the on the shelves and grocery stores, you know, if this persists, I don't think the midterms will be about 2020 for the suburban Republican voters who are key to winning this race. They may be for the Trump supporters, but not everybody else. And so the Democrats have so many things to worry about. Uh, one wonders whether they should keep focusing on Trump uh, and sort of bother to relitigate this or just move on and say we're the party that improves the economy, which statistically has been true for the last 30 years, that they inherit bad economies and they do better with them. So, you know, they've got to get back to that message. What can they do to make daily life better and uh, reduce their focus on Trump and the Republican divisions? I think that, you know, you got to get people to want to get out to the polls and so far, the Democrats haven't been able to get that message across. Wendy, always a pleasure. Thanks, Professor. Wendy Schiller, Director of Brown University's Talman Center for American Politics and Policy. You can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal. And a reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington. That's Bloomberg 99.1 at 105.7 FM HD2. And uh, ahead of the cash open, Dow Futures right now up 287 points. The S&P E-mini futures 43 points higher, and the NASDAQ futures are up 175 points. Just ahead, Bloomberg Surveillance. For Karen Moscow, I'm John Tucker, and you've been listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.